But for some people, they don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't because in their mind, they're still extremely young. They can still do whatever they want. I think spiritually, we're, you're never aging. Your dreams never die. And I just think that people shouldn't let that ever be an excuse. This is the Balanced Artist Podcast, where we help the purpose-driven creator's journey suck a little less and thrive a little more. Hosted by award-winning musician, TEDx speaker, and comedian, Rory Gardner. Who? We chat with experts who help level up your creative career by reframing your lifestyle as a balanced artist. Hello and welcome to the Balanced Artist Podcast. Today we are talking to Shevin Roberts, and she's an American singer, actress, and dancer, one of these multi-talented folks who doesn't save any for the rest of us. Just so much talent. I can't, maybe it's uh, probably because I can't dance. Maybe that's what I'm missing in my life is the ability to move my body in ways that don't look awkward and embarrassing. Anyway, she's won multiple nominations and awards for her music and she's acted in shows like Days of Our Lives. She's won six national solo dance championships. See, now she's just rubbing it in. You know what I mean? Like I just... My entire adolescence, even now, I just, I feel awkward. I can, I can perform on stage in front of people for long periods of time, but for some reason in a room where no one's actually looking at me, I can't move my, I can't dance. I can't move my body in ways that is appealing to look. Anyway, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Named one of Music Connection Magazine's Hot 100 Unsigned Artists of the Year. She's open for singers like Justin Bieber. No, I've never heard of him, but I'm sure he's a great fella. Shevin and I actually have the same producer. I used a producer in uh, L.A. named David Longoria. He We did a children's album together back in 2015, and she is working with him now uh, on dance music. All right, and I learned a few things about the dance music business where, like, when I release a song, I just release it and hope for the best. But when dance music, you release five different versions, all of them going to a different place. One goes to the DJs, one goes to the radio, one goes to your mom for the thumbs up or whatever. So you're basically like micro-niching each of your versions of the dance song, which is kind of, it's actually interesting and a really cool way to build one particular song. We talk about how to create an impact in smaller markets before shooting for the big markets. And that's, I mean, that makes sense to me, right? Create a track record, show them that you can do it in a smaller place before you run with the big fish. I don't think fish could run, but if they did, that's how they do it. She's been doing it for a long time. Like when she was a kid, her mom would give her rides to commercial auditions and she was doing that whole thing. And I wanted to ask her, would she do the same thing to her child? Like push them. In. How far do you push your child into the entertainment industry without going too far? I think having your kids doing something with their talent is fantastic because it gives them an identity. It gives them a, a community, you know, of other like-minded individuals. As far as the entertainment business goes, I mean, that's up. That's up to you. That's up to them. That's a whole different beast. Doing the thing versus trying to make money at the thing. To each their own. If you haven't found us on social media, go hit up Facebook, Balanced Artist. Same thing on Instagram. Go check out the balancedartist.com. I think it's just balancedartist.com. Yeah, balancedartist.com. Go sign up for the mailing list. I'll send you some cool stuff. This was a fun episode. You know, if you liked it, take a screenshot. Tag me on Insta 
or just send me a DM. Say hi and tell me. Uh, I like to I like to see what you're up to. You know what I mean? What creative projects you have going? It was a great episode. I break it down afterwards with my friend and drummer Kevin. It was fun. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Shevin Roberts. This is your mom's dance studio, and then like in that studio, you opened up your own thing for for kids or something like that, right? Actually, I opened up my own studio for a while. It was nonprofit, and still until uh, I started getting music awards, and then I moved to LA and I started doing more music stuff. And so now I just travel back and forth, and so I have fun just helping her with her studio, and then I just do my music stuff because. Uh, running the nonprofit was fun, but it was, it was becoming overwhelming and I kind of had to choose between, you know, what I wanted to do. So I chose music and then I just helped with hers instead of running my own. So I, I put all of my students over her, uh, dance academy. So I, I heard your song, you're, uh, you're running out of time. I yes. Think, I think we possibly have the same producer. Okay. Who is your producer? My, well, my producer it was David Longoria, but he works with Robert Ibeck. Right. So which one, which one worked on yours? Robert Evoch um, is the one that did the remix that we sent you. Um, him and I did not write the lyrics together. That was with a different producer. I made the original track and the, and the lyrics, but Robert Evoch, as you know, has several number ones and his, all his success. And he did the total remix, like totally new instrumental. So he did a really great job. And Lo- David Longoria is definitely uh, like my music advisor. So. Your music advisor. I've known David for for years. He actually, we actually worked on a children's album together. Uh, wow! Yeah, that's back. what I love about David. He's so trustworthy, and I feel like he's someone that, you know, he's a wholesome person, but he's also very artistic, which is not always easy to find in the industry. <laughs> someone else's song that you remixed? No, this is my song. My original oh, okay. song. Yeah, my original song. And the original song, I actually before it was remixed. It's my original song that I wrote and had produced by Alex Control, And I wrote it, like I said. <laughs> but uh, basically that song I performed on the Here's Vegas TV show pilot. That was the first performance of it. Uh, and maybe the only performance of, no, not the only performance of it, but the only, um, I guess, televised performance of it. And then I started doing the five remixes, which I have not released yet. You might've heard just the first one that I'm about to release, but um, I'm going to release all five of them at some point. So. Why? What's the strategy behind that? Like, why, why so many remixes? I know. Um, well, David can school you on that one. But basically, when you hit the dance charts, you've got, like, five remixes. Um, there's, like, sub-genres under – in the dance genre, there's, like, five sub-genres of the dance genre. And there's, like, different types of EDM, trance, like, different things. Right. Um, and there's kind of, like, a specific format that – these DJs have to like literally follow certain rules in order to make sure that it gets played. So there's definitely, um, it's very strategic and they know more about it than I do, but that's just the gist of it. And so that's how uh, we get it into circulation. So that makes sense. So basically you're, you're niching down the mix to make it like more suitable for that particular playlist or whatever, but it all contributes exactly. to the exactly. same billboarding charting song. I got you. Yeah, exactly. That is smart. There you go. Yeah. Um, no, that's funny. And so you're in the process of that right now. So you've only released the one version and now you're doing four more. After- Actually, I haven't even released the one yet. I shot the music video for the first one, which is the one that Robert Evoch did, which I guess that's like my radio edit, you know, ready to go version that we want to, my go-to version. Um, the other ones are great too, but we haven't released any of them and we haven't released the music video. 
Um, so I'm just letting everybody know that, you know, it's going to be coming out. Um, the billboard charts haven't opened back up yet, so I'm not sure exactly when I will release, but it could be within the next, you know, couple upcoming months. So, um, but you know, we've got, we've got an election, we've got Christmas. So, you know, I just have to go with the flow and see when I feel like dropping it, but I definitely wanted to let everyone know and build awareness that I will have some songs or some remixes being dropped and I will have the video coming out. So I'm very excited about that, but this has been such an unusual year that everything timing wise is a little like, eh, you know, <laughs> it is a little bit weird. I think I was told the Grammys might be like over zoom. So I don't know. How that's that's weird. Work. Yeah. yeah. It's like the world's coming to an end. <laughs> Why are the billboard charts on pause? Like it doesn't make any sense. It's a chart. I don't know. You know, and I guess it doesn't really matter for certain people like Taylor Swift and some of the people we've seen drop records because they just do what they want regardless um, on their level. But for like the dance charts, which is basically the entry charts, if you want to get on any charts, that's the easiest charts to get on. I know for sure that they are closed down. I'm pretty sure all of Billboard is closed down. And it, it's just, I think everyone's waiting for this election to be over with and this coronavirus and, um, you know, all of the things that are going on in the world, I guess it kind of in, it eventually affected the rest of the world, especially the entertainment industry. I have a lot of friends that are entertainers and you know their entire livelihood as of mine and a certain sense are built around you know big crowds and things like that which is not what's happening right now so um definitely like you said the internet is the way to go yeah have you done any drive-in shows yet i did a couple of those over the summer oh that's cool yeah no i actually saw a few of those and i was talking to some people about about getting on some for 2021 so i'm pretty excited about that because honestly that's kind of cool like I like the whole drive-in movie thing. I think even if things were opened up, I think that's just something that they should do every now and then have one of those type because this is kind of fun. It almost feels like a warp tour or something, you know? Yeah, it's definitely weird. <laughs> like instead of like clapping, you hear horns honking. It's a little effed, but. Well, okay. So my question about those, like people can get out of their car, right? They're not like stuck in their car. Yeah, so they can get out of their car, which is dumb. Like what's the point of? bringing your car in the first place if you're allowed to get out of it but yeah they get out of the yeah. car and they can they can hang out with lawn chairs and stuff like that just as long as you're apart from people next to you i don't know it, it's so it's basically just an outdoor show which like, i personally like those type of venues that like it's halfway covered halfway on the lawn as long as it's not too hot so yeah. i like that kind of thing we don't have that not too hot thing in canada but i understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah you have no idea what it's like down here do you yeah. have you ever been to Houston? i've been to dallas but never, never Houston. Dallas is a little classier. They're snobbier and they're cooler weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, snobbier. I like it. There you go. You said it's like dance charts are the easiest ones to get on. Is that because there's like less competition? You can kind of be a big fish in a small pond kind of thing? I definitely wouldn't say that. I guess it's just something that's been quoted to me a lot. And when I look at artists that are just artists that come from the ground up that didn't, you know, necessarily get on American Idol or something like that. You look at like Madonna or you look at several pop artists. I can't think of all of them right now, like Kylie Minogue, whoever. And they always start, you know, with the dance chart and then work their way over to the pop chart. So that seems to be like a trend. And um, for an artist that's coming from the ground up, I feel like it probably is the best way. And when they say the easiest, I don't know. That's just what I've heard because like, there's obviously like, the dance charts which is like the club charts and so like the clubs feel like a little bit more accessible the dj is a little bit more accessible than 
uh, necessarily like um, the R&B charts or the rap charts, which are their own animal. And then you've got the country, which is like totally different world. And then you've got, you know, mainstream pop, which is very commercial and clearly um, the hardest chart to get on. So that's kind of how. That's interesting. So is it pronounced the club or duck club? <laughs> Never mind. So, Love. <laughs> so I see what. Uh, is that what I said? No, no, I'm just I don't know what you said. But the point is the. My mom <laughs> says that I do that sometimes. That like sometimes like I I don't know what I do. Like I'm not trying to use ebonics. Like I think I just get like lazy. You said the club. I'm just. And kidding. I'm just like mm, yeah. the club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but you've, so that's like a really good point that a lot of people don't understand because they, they immediately want to hit the pop charts. They want to hit the country charts, but those are gigantic markets that are impossible to break into unless of course right. you have a major record deal. And so I think it's the, uh, we touched on earlier. It's like, it's the best to kind of break in in that small, uh, focus on like that one thing, like that small market kind of make it yeah. big there and then you can kind of move it over, right? Get momentum. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't even know that for a really long time. You know, it was always my dream, like every day in my affirmations, it's always like, I'm going to be number one on the charts. Like, that's what I say out loud every day. Like, that's going to happen. And I'm always thinking that, and I, you know, it's like on the number one hit radio station. Uh, and that's exactly what I was thinking. But when David came and explained it to me, I was like, okay, that does make a little more sense. And I am a very humble artist. So it's like, whatever process I have to go through, um, I just love and enjoy doing music and performing. So I mean, yeah, that's basically the process you have to go through. So. You can still be number one on the charts. It's just, just it's not the pop charts. <laughs> and you don't have yeah, to tell people that. Yeah, it would still that. be a dream. You can so. still tweet about it. You're still number one on yeah, the charts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You kind of do like one particular thing to break through as opposed to like a million different things. Like you've, you do acting, you do dance and you do music. Is that like, do you do that because you have a bunch of different interests? Or are you trying to like skill stack them to kind of, you know, create one lane over another? Actually, um, it kind of just evolved like that because, well, long story short, like basically at five and six years old, like my mom had me with the acting agent. So I was automatically just getting like booked on national commercials just real easily because I was a kid and it's just, it's just easier as a kid back then it was. <laughs> so um, I guess I got the acting bug and got used to seeing myself on television and was kind of like, I like doing this. And then she basically kind of like pulled me out. She claims that my teeth were getting crooked. Uh, but I think the real reason was also because she couldn't, she says that she couldn't keep taking off work to take me to the auditions and jobs, which I still have a problem with to this day. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, I was bringing in way bigger checks than you were, but you know, everyone likes, they like that something that's consistent. And so with those like, but when I got, bookings which i did pretty consistently uh you know they're pretty big checks so you got a residual income coming from the commercials so that was kind of how i got into the acting was the acting bug so your mom got you into the acting when you were a kid and like she took you out though because you had crooked teeth uh, well no like i think she just like said that like but she, I, she didn't really want to tell me she told me later is because like i can't keep taking off work to take you to you know and you keep missing school and i don't know and her and that was just in her mind you know like my mindset today is a lot more open-minded, but her mindset back then may have just been like, like, oh, you know, like I'm going to make her have a normal life and I can't keep taking up work. What if I lose my job? Like all of those kind of doubts, you know, that people have. So instead of just like, instead of just like, yo, my kid's going to become a Disney star and it's going to be all good, <laughs> which would have been the right mentality. <laughs> instead of saying I can't take off work, she just gave you a complex with like, oh my God, my teeth suck. I actually remember like, 
like I got a call and I answered the phone and they, they were like shoving and I was like you know a little kid like six years old they're like you just booked the Chuck E. Cheese commercial and I was so excited I was like mom I'm and she was like I'm sorry I'm pulling her out she can't do it I was like no <laughs> so yeah so she like pulled me out right in the midst I was like thanks so yeah so that's how I kind of got like under my skin to do the acting but then she kind of pulled me out I kind of forgot about it for a while I grew up her working at someone else's dance studio. She didn't own her own yet. And then we ended up, she was like the drill team director for like a nonprofit drill team. And I became obsessed with dance. And this is how it kind of evolved. I basically became obsessed with dance. Um, every day I come home, I was watching videos. I was teaching myself stuff. Plus I had her telling me, I, you know, I had her putting me with like five different teachers, private lessons. I became really obsessed with dance. I fell in love with it. I became like a six time national solo champion, which basically just means when I dance by myself, I won a lot of trophies and medals. <laughs> and uh, I got a lot of standing ovations. I was always just obsessed with it during school. Like everyone else would be writing those to their friends. And I would be drawing, like designing my costumes. And is it safe to say you don't play well with others? <laughs> no, I was actually, I was actually the captain of my team. So I was a team leader and I liked those group dances and, and, and being part of the group as well. But I definitely was my own artist in a sense as a dancer as well. So I have that time. Where, yeah, I play well with others, but I like doing my own thing. Yeah. And then my friend at the time was actually like a one hit wonder on the radio. And I say one hit wonder because that's basically what happened. I mean, what was the hit? It was called Going Crazy. Um, her name is Natalie and she's from Houston. And uh, she was actually like kind of helping my mom out of her studio, teaching a little bit. And now she's uh, the Houston Rockets power dancer. She was a Houston Rocket power dancer for a long time. And then she became the director of that. And then she's also like, I think on their marketing team for the Rockets. She's, so she does that now. But that was really inspiring for me at the time. And when I was in LA doing the acting, I heard a commercial about a music school and I went to the tryouts I had never sang before. They let me into the school. And then from there, I basically started meeting producers and I started making record after record after record. So that's how it all evolved. It wasn't like I was trying to tackle three different things. It's kind of just from like acting to dance, back to acting and then music. And then to me, I'm not really in love with dancing anymore. I got over dancing. It's like, I, I've been there, done that. I won all those things. I just, I was over it. But music has been my passion. I haven't let it go for a really long time. Um, and I think I always was in love with music because it's part of dancing, you know? But do you think so. that makes you more more diverse and hireable? Like when I when I I'm a comedian, and so I also incorporate my music into comedy. So it's, it kind of makes me like one of a kind in certain markets. Like, do you think dance is the same thing for you? Yeah, I I think it does give me a little bit of a niche, just because. Not to say it's never been done before, but just because it's. I kind of the way I look at it is I have to go with my strengths. And I know that I'm a great dancer and um, I know that I have a really unique sound in my voice and I can sing certain songs that I write that sound good on my voice. So I just got to work with that. I'm certainly not the artist that's going to sit there on a stool and uh, belt out ballads all day long. Not to say I can't do a ballad within my range, but I'm just not, you know, there's certain, there's different types of artists. So like, I'm not the Mariah Carey artist, but I am the dance artist. So that's where I'm at. And I just, I just fully accept it. I'm like, all right, this is what I am. So I was going to ask you about your music too. I see all these guitars back here. So are you, are you like rock and roll? What do you do? Those are just for show. I don't actually play them. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No, they, yeah, I am a country, <laughs> <laughs> country musician. So. Are you country? I, I, I've got, I do I several country albums and then uh, eventually I had kids and that's why I gravitated to this kids thing. And I got hooked up with David and 
Aww. It's kind of where your creativity pushes you, really. You're gonna, you'll, you'll be there someday. You're writing songs for adults about the club, everything. And then you have a kid. It's like, now your life is Sesame Street and all your songs become... <laughs> You know, that's so cute. No, well, I'm actually kind of like in the middle and I've always been in the middle. Yeah, for sure. Like you're <laughs> okay, from your perspective now, like your mom took you out of, uh, out of, out of the spotlight as a kid. Like if let's say you were in her shoes, like as a parent right now and you thought your kid had talent, like what would you do no. from your perspective right now? Do you think it was the right choice uh, giving you some of a normal life or do you think uh, she should have pursued it more? <laughs> that's a loaded question man um you know i really i'm the type of person that won't ever give a yes or no answer because for me everything is perception perspective and circumstantial that's why so i'm really you depends upon... because you have like a good perspective like <laughs> wait what'd you say that's why i'm asking you because you have a good perspective because you were uh, okay. like you're living it at the time like, okay, like for me personally, in that situation, looking back, I think the best scenario would have been to keep me in it, find a way to allow me to explore that and to monitor me, which she's done my whole life very well. <laughs> so I'm sure I would have been fine with her watching over my shoulder. For other people that are just like, let their children run wild and they're not always in the same room with them and they're not like really... Um, helping them make good decisions in that situation no and if the kid is uh the type of kid that's extremely uh rebellious and first of all if they're not enjoying it they need to be out but if they are enjoying it but they just seem like it's it's taking them down the wrong road then that's not maybe it's something they need to be pulled out for me i think i was fine i think i was enjoying it i might have been a little bit too young to fully appreciate it uh but um, I think I generally was doing well and it was understandable because I was like five and six years old that if I had, you know, felt like having a tantrum now and then I was entitled to it. <laughs> but for the most part, I was doing my job. <laughs> Where do you find the fine line? Because me as a parent now, like my, I, my kids in drum lessons and like, yeah. he, he loves it, but there's times where he like doesn't want to do the less. Like, where do you, where do you, like, how much should I push him versus, yeah. cause I wish my parents had forced me into piano. You know yeah. I, mean? I would love to walk into a hotel room, sit down in the lobby and just like gather a crowd and tickle the ivories for these people. This is a fantasy. I, I, but I can't play piano, but I wish my parents had forced me into it. Yeah. In retrospect, this is like 30 years later. So okay, let's say you were in your, in your mom's shoes. Like what, and you were having tantrums. Like, do you think she just, she gave up because it was a pain in the ass to deal with these tantrums over <laughs> and over or her? No, I think I only pursued? did that. Like, I think I only did that once. I mean, if there's a parent out there that took their kid out, I don't want them to beat themselves up over it because obviously like you just do the best you can as a parent. But now looking back and if I were a parent, which I'm not right now, but if I were a parent, yes, I think um, I would do what I would have want done for me, which is push my kid because it's kind of like that saying like, do something for yourself. You're going to thank yourself for later. Well, the parent can do that for the kid. So, because when the truth is people think, well, let the kid think for themselves. Well, I get that there is a certain amount of that, but you kind of have to do that within a guided perspective because it's like, you can't just totally let them do whatever because they don't really know what they want to do. You kind of help guide them. So if you see like, oh, well, it seems like they a little bit enjoyed that. Well, then let's push them to explore that more and more until the kids like, absolutely, I don't want to do this anymore. So if the, if the answer is like, not a no, I hate this, then maybe if there's something that they're interested in, they should be pushed down that 
a little bit more because they'll probably thank you for it later because they're probably going to end up enjoying it more than they are right now just because they're too young to appreciate it. So later down the line, it's going to be the thing that they go back to, whether it's fishing or piano or whatever. I mean, I used to play piano and I used to read notes and I wish that, again, I wish someone would make stick, stick with it. You know what I mean? Because not that I can't, not that I can't go back and do it all over again. Cause I still want to. And when I have time, I will, but it's, uh, it's just, I think when you're a kid, you should have as many options you can to explore and um, allow the kid to, to figure it out. But if they don't have it figured out again, if they're not saying no, and you feel like they have a natural ability to do something or to at least like something, I think it shouldn't be like a forceful thing, but it should be an encouragement to, yeah, let's sign up for lessons once a week. Let's keep doing this, you know? And I've seen it, I've seen it help people because I didn't get involved with drugs. I didn't have major problems because what happens is I think kids get into high school or junior high or whatever it is. And then they're like, Oh, well, you know, like I don't have a life. So their whole life becomes their friends and fitting in. But I, I was obsessed with dance. So like my entire world revolved around that. So it kind of protected me and sheltered me um, until I became more social. So it gives you something like a hobby to do, you know, also not also a hobby, but like a, a community. Like, did you find that like yeah. Having that identity, it kind of made you feel like you belonged. I totally agree with that. It kind of did give me an identity for a while. I finally realized that it didn't define me, but in a sense, as a kid, it probably did on some level because I had a great community of people around me and uh, they were wholesome people. Um, a lot of, I mean, there's catty things just like there is and there's drama anywhere, but um, it definitely helped me to be uh, more social and to, to have you know, like you said, a community of people around me that for the most part were very good. So I definitely <laughs> you get one bad that. apple in there. You're screwed. <laughs> but, uh, well, there's that everywhere though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. No, I, I totally agree with you. Like it's, uh, now what I was going to say about, you know, like country music, like I actually was offered recently, like they wanted to do country album for me. And I was like, you know, I have so many country records that I've listened to because I'm from Texas and I love it. It's mainly pop country. It's not always like Alan Jackson, bluegrass type of country. Who's your go-to? God, there's so many. I just, What's your favorite <sighs> album, favorite, favorite country artist or band. Mm. Shania, Dixie Chicks. What are you thinking? I, I think Garth Brooks is definitely, and I actually ended up doing a target commercial with him in LA. So that was kind of cool, but he's, but Garth is, I mean, he's a legend. He's almost not country music. He's almost just like Garth Brooks. You know yeah, I mean? He's like the Elvis of country or whatever, if you want to. Yeah. Did you meet him during the Target commercial or did you shoot on different days? Oh, no, we, we shot on the same day. Yeah. So you, you met him. Do you, like, was he normal in, in real life? or? or? He just starts playing. He had a guitar and he like starts singing and playing. And he's like in between takes, he will just be playing his guitar and singing. He's... He's really, he seems like he's just really down to earth person. I really respect the fact that he took like however many years it was off just to enjoy his family because he's like obviously like a real person that, I mean, everybody's a real person, but he really took that time to be a real person and not just, you know, let his career consume him. So I thought that was pretty cool about him. So he seems pretty down to earth, but you know, he loves what he does. It so. is cool. I don't think a lot of people would have that, uh, that strength to like leave your industry at the top of the charts and then what he took like yeah. 10 years off or something like that or 15 years it's off cocky just to raise his it. kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes back and has like the biggest tour in history. Like, I don't know. It's kind of cocky. If you think about it, it's pretty confident. It's like, I know I can leave and come back, you know? What I mean? Yeah. 
And another one I met that did that same thing was Jay Leno. I'm still confused about whether if he really truly left on his own or if they kicked him off, but I actually ran into him at the Whole Foods in Sherman Oaks, California. And he's just so chill too. You can just tell some of these people are just like, all right, I've had enough. I, I want to be left alone now. <laughs> yeah. Jay Leno's one of, he's one of those guys who apparently he, I like his drive and that he, everything he earns was from uh, like stand-up comedy and apparently everything he made from the tonight show just like went into an account like he's never touched the tonight show money <laughs> which really? you know, yeah exactly so it drove him to like keep doing stand-up comedy like be you know wow. eight of arts as opposed to being paid by the uh the tv network oh that's right you're a comedian too so you keep up with that stuff yeah i that's keep cool. my tabs on uh on uh, garth and jay <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I was offered for the country record and I was like, you know. Did you see so you open for Bieber? Is that right? I did. I actually opened for Justin Bieber. Uh, that was a really cool experience. Yeah, I was the only female artist opening that show. That was just a one of kind of like a one time thing I opened up uh, was um, it was a Christmas radio concert. So like we have 104 KRBE, which is the number one hit radio station in Houston, Texas. And they basically called me up and they knew about me and they were like, you know, do you want to open the show? And I was like, sure. So um, Justin Bieber came to town. It was at Verizon Wireless Theater. Uh, yeah, not bad. Like, do you find that like after doing something like that, I'll, I'll give you my perspective. I opened for Keith Urban in 2015. It, it was a huge, wow. it was huge. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but like every show after that has been incrementally worse because it was such an awesome yeah, show. because it's you, not that show. Yeah, do you find the same thing with the Bieber thing? Yes, and and specifically because I was pop, that um, that my music doesn't really fit into, like, a, they have music bar scenes for country, for rap, for hip-hop, for even rock, but for pop and, like, a dance act, it's like, where am I going to perform at, a rave? Stadiums. And I just hadn't, I, I literally, what? Stadiums, that's pretty much all you can do is everything. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, and so, yeah, it's been really hard. Um, but I've done some performances. It was fun. L.A. provided me with a lot of different opportunities to perform. Um, but to be honest, I wasn't really in love with those records. So I've made a lot of records over the year, and I've kind of done my own artist development, if you will. And so I'm finally... I finally have a record that I'm like proud of and actually just recorded a full EP to follow up on these remixes. So it's like five totally separate songs that um, I recorded with Robert back in June. So I'm excited to release that material as well. Um, it's just, you know, it's all about the producer that I'm working with that can really bring my vision to life. Like look at people like, so what would you say to people that uh, let's say have, had some kids or have or have uh had like other careers now they want to get into the this music thing because it's always been a passion of theirs like do you think it's it's too late for them or do you think there's still a, a spot for them i think it's never too late as long as you're alive and i'll be honest i don't think this age thing is as big of a problem as everybody makes it out to be it is something that people are constantly thinking that it's it's oh it's a problem you know what i mean like uh, i should have done when i was younger and, and by the way that's a huge mindset in the music industry but it's not just the music industry i think people have that mindset about their whole entire life and don't like grow like the way you did as a kid so why not just realize that you have like the whole rest of your life to do whatever you want and stop making excuses for why you can't 
do what you want. Because to be honest, I mean, I'm looking at Gwen Stefani and she's like 50 years old and she looks like a teenager. And yes, I know she got her start when she was younger, but I mean, come on. I mean, I really feel like age is just all in our heads. I mean, of course, yeah, people can say, well, it affects their health, but for some people they don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't because in their mind, they're still extremely young. They can still do whatever they want. I think spiritually, we're, you're never aging. Your dreams never die. And I just think that people shouldn't let that ever be an excuse. And because like, you're not going to like be on your deathbed looking back being like, man, I wish I hadn't done that. You're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad I at least tried that. I'm so glad I actually like went for it, whether I was successful or not. Exactly. No regrets on the deathbed. That's what we're looking for. Oh, that was fun. Let's keep the fun going with my friend and drummer, Kevin. My friend, Kevin, what do you think of Shevin? Other than having a feminine version of your name. She's got a damn good second half of a name. Yeah, the first half is okay, but the second half. But the second half, it just, Evan. Mm-hmm. That just sounds like I really like a man named Evan. Evan. <laughs> we talked about like how she, her, when she was a kid, she was in commercials and stuff like that. And then her mom pulled her out because her mom had to miss too much work to take her to these commercials and things like that. Fair. And then her mom said something like, uh, uh, no, it's because, uh, you have bad teeth. That's why I'm taking you out. Oh my God. Like what? (laughs) Your mom's giving you a complex at the age of eight. Yeah. My daughter would love to be in that kind of stuff. I've, I've done it and it's, it's weird, but then again, like you're more self-conscious. I imagine as an adult, Whereas kids, they just like, let's, you know what? I've been in, in audition rooms where the kids are waiting and they're just kind of like, there's kids. They're just like playing iPad or whatever, waiting for their turn. Like, they, they don't think anything of it. It's like the parent is, it's all the parent. And you can tell yeah. like the mom is just like this, this actress who didn't quite cut it or the dad who's just like, you're doing this because it's a dream that I need to fulfill. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, I feel better about not taking my daughter to achieve her dreams now. Take it to her. I mean, why not? Why not just do it once just to see if it's, uh, if she's into it? I don't know where to do it. I guess I should talk to you about that or talk to the agent that we know in common. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You probably know her better than I do. So, uh, talk. I don't think I, I went to high school with her. You've talked to her in the last decade. So none of this is relevant. It kind of is relevant. She's so, so it's because we, we also in this talk spoke about like, you know, the benefit of having your kid in this kind of thing, because it, it gives her an identity. So you grew up playing music. So music was your identity for the longest time. And it gave you a community. You were in the band in school. And without that, you might be a weirdo, but instead you've accumulated both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I'm weirdo with a, with a band background with a band. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so no, I, I think that's, that's, uh, fantastic. And people ask me all the time, like, are you, uh, are you a religious fella? What do you think of the church and blah, blah, blah. And that guy, there's, you know, I'm not going to go into it now, but there was a lot of benefits about going to it. Like, like a community, you know what I mean? You feel like you, yeah, for sure. To a place and things like that. So I don't know. I think if she's into it, like why not put her in a position where she could meet like-minded people like herself? True. You're selling me on it. Kevin, I am also a parent, and it is apparent that I know how to Don't have a joke, but you had the first half of a joke, and (laughs) you thought the second half would come if you just put the first half out into the world. It didn't pay off, unfortunately. It did not pay off. But with the magic of editing, 
I'm going to make this hilarious. <laughs> Kevin, I'm a parent, and it's also a parent. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Black. Black. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, 90s kids. <laughs> 90s kids. Speaking of uh, 90s kids, I did. I was at a. I did a, a comedy show the other day, and we were in the uh, in the comedy club. I opened with jokes about uh, Saved by the Bell and like Full House and all these like '90s sitcoms, and then I did like you know six minutes of like parenting material, and then I sang oh, no. a parenting song, and like the whole audience was like twenty years old. They had no idea what I was talking about the entire time, and I was like, "Well, I've gone this far. I might as well just plow through now." Yeah. It did not go well. It did not go. Well. I didn't. I didn't. You're supposed to scan the audience when you get in the room so you can cater your stuff. I didn't do that. I was kind of distracted that day. So fair. So they just got a lot about Michelle Tanner and Zach Morris and Zach Morris, and they had no idea who they were. My oldest daughter just finished watching Full House. She had watched Fuller House, so that was like her version of Full House, and then she ran out of that, so she went back for the '80s version. Yeah, we did that uh, a year or two ago. It's good. It's good. Holds up, kind of. Yeah, I didn't. I like saw it over her shoulder sometimes, but it's not like we all sat down and watched it together. She was just watching it on her own. You know, Full House is where uh, I learned to play a basic drum beat. No, I had this drum set in my basement, and I was just plinking away there. I didn't really have a teacher growing up, but uh, Uncle Jesse taught DJ how to play the drums in one episode. He's like, "I oh, gotta start with the kick." And then you just had a bit of snare. Then you had the hi-hat. And I was like, holy smokes. I never heard someone, you know, break it down like that. And I went down and a mediocre drummer was born. Perfect. Now, what 80s sitcom can you watch to make you beatbox better? Because Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Shevin. Shevin. Okay. Now, all I picture is you when I say her name now, but uh, Shevin, it, we actually have the same producer, which is oddly enough. I was reading her, her bio earlier, and um, she, she releases dance music or does dance music. Uh, she used the same producer in LA that I used to release my second children's album. Oh, cool. You know, with my music, I, I write one song, I record that song, and that's the song that you hear. Whereas in dance music, they record like five versions of it because there's like a DJ version, there's like a club version, there's like a radio version, and there's like all the, you're basically niching into different places and that all those five different subsets, if you want to call it that, uh, kind of create one, one monster hit if they all work. It may not work for radio. It may not even get played on radio, but if it's hot in the clubs, maybe it'll, it'll leverage radio a little bit. I only relate to that through Old Town Road. How so? Because my kids never stop listening to Old Town Road, and they somehow have come across like 400 different versions of Old Town Road. Well, that well, yeah, but the story with that one is was different. Like it, that, yeah. and that, again, so it worked the same way, but but in different way. So it got big on TikTok. So that kind of got radio's attention, right? But then again, like if you think about, was it all by design? I guess TikTok was still kind of a new platform then. But at the same time, like the song had Billy Ray Cyrus on it. Like it, it's, I mean, there had to be some sort of. Well, there was a version without Billy Ray Cyrus, right? Oh, I guess he jumped on it when it when it got a little a bit of steam. Is what you're saying? 
it was when it was kicked off the country charts because it was charting on the country charts and then somebody decided that it wasn't a country tune. So it got kicked off the country charts. So then uh, somebody contacted Billy Ray Cyrus or something and he recorded on it to like give it the legitimacy kind of as a screw you to the country charts of like, this could be a country song, a country star is on it. That's actually, a, it's a, it's kind of a cool story. Yeah. Uh, it was probably bigger than any country song released that year. So they win. Yeah, for sure. She opened for Bieber. Yeah, she was, I, I, I think he came to her hometown and there was a, a few artists that opened for her. She was the only female on the act and it was great. And then I, I related it to my story. I was like, when I opened for Keith Urban, I was like, uh, it was a fantastic experience. And then I was like, uh, but did every show after that suck in comparison? And she's like, yes, yes, it did. <laughs> you can't just go there and then just, you know, play. Somebody's bat mitzvah next week. Like <laughs> Exactly. Like you almost never want to get something like that because then everything else just seems crappy in comparison. I mean, if it's your big break and it pays off, then you get to play future cool shows, but that's true. Here you are. Here I am talking to you. Talking to me seven, eight years later, however long ago that was. She opened for Bieber and then she, she's actually met uh, Garth Brooks too. She was like in a, in a commercial with him or something like that. That's another reason why you got to get your daughter in commercials because she could also do a commercial with Garth Brooks and then introduce me. Sounds like you're taking her to half the auditions now. I can do that. All right, perfect. You know, she lands a role. It's kind of neat to see yourself on television. For sure. I was at my my niece's place the other day, and she's uh, and they were talking about how they're binge watching the Hands Handmaid's Tale. I'm like, oh, cool! I'm in the third season of that. They're like, what? For real? And for the next thirty seconds, I was the coolest guy they ever knew. Nice. I like the question of what kind of artist are you? I know my answer. What's your answer? Are you asking me the question or are you asking her? You said that was one of the things you guys discussed is to figure out what kind of artist you are. Well, she grew up doing dance and then she moved into the music world. So she's like, there's no, she's like, I'm not going to be a Mariah Carey person who just sits there on a chair and sings her songs. She's going to be a little bit more theatrical because she's got that background. Yeah. Skill stacking is what they call that the industry. Yeah. That's why you've learned music and then you added comedy and now you've got martial arts. So you could <laughs> sing some songs for people, tell them some jokes, and then Eat defend the yourself <laughs> on the way out. You enjoy this song. <laughs> when, yes. when the crowd rushes you for sucking. Yeah. <laughs> or you find a new way to make them related. That's how unique skills are born, right? Give me an example. See, now I did the thing where you say something and hope that uh-huh. something else will come. <laughs> <laughs> they say in creativity, if you, you can, you can, you don't necessarily have to invent something new, but you can combine two things to make something creative out of it. Let's just say I took taxis. Oh, I don't know, giving your buddy a ride, and I combine both of those. I can make a really cool billion-dollar company. I'd call it Uber. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, same thing with hotels and crashing on your buddy's couch. <laughs> Airbnb. So it's, you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheels. The point of this one. You're basically saying the deadbeat friends pay off into billion dollar businesses. Well, it's kind of true. I, so I was in New York one time, 
New York, if you didn't understand what I just said. And uh, I was in a comedy club and this guy, I got seated next to a dude who, uh, who just lived in in Queens. And I guess the, the rent is still pretty high in Queens, but he, uh, he, he would let people crash on his couch uh, and, and that would pay his rent. So like every night, because you know, New York's a big tourist town, like every night he'd have a new person crashing on his couch and that would pay his rent for the entire month. You just have to be cool with some, you know, someone crashing on your couch every night. I don't think I would be cool with that. If I was a like he's a he seemed like a like a single male possibly living with her. <laughs> yeah, it's it's much harder when you have a baby. Exactly. I wouldn't I wouldn't invite strangers into my my house with the children and stuff. Uh, but um, in that case, I, I totally would. I remember doing that like back when back in the early two thousands. Like I I'd, I'd rent my like the extra room in my house out to like uh, people monthly. Not daily, like I'm not running a brothel. <laughs> so uh, rent out your couch by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, probably make more money than renting it out by the month, but not when you have to clean it in between, though. That's true. The cleaning fee would be astronomical on that couch. Speaking of which, I bought your old couch off. You remember that? Yeah, I did. Did you clean it before you gave it to me? Definitely not. Well, that reminds me, I should get a steam clean tomorrow. That's enough out of you, Kevin. That's all we've got for this episode of the podcast. We have new shows every week. So remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with anyone you think could benefit from becoming a balanced artist.